Welcome to Privileged Communications, a legal podcast from Phillips Neiser partner and certified civil trial attorney, Scott Pekarski. In Privileged Communications, we bring you into the attorney's office for a behind-the-scenes look at the modern legal world. Whether you're looking for education, advice, or just commiseration with colleagues on the complexity of the American legal system, Privileged Communications is right for you. Here's your host, Scott Pekarski. All right. Well, hello, everyone. This is Scott Pekarski. I am a partner in the New York City law firm of Phillips Neiser LLP. Uh, I am based out of the Northern New Jersey office. I'm a litigator with 33 years of experience and now, oh, about seven months of experience in remote or Zoom trials. In this podcast, I will briefly cover the topic of doing trials remotely. A bunch of tidbits, a lot of good pointers. I've done a number of hearings. I'm in the middle of a multi-day binding arbitration. So we've had a lot of ups and downs. We've had tropical storms, power losses, internet losses, and the challenges of trying cases remotely. So I will briefly, probably in about a 20-minute episode here, hit the high points of doing trials remotely. So let's, let's talk about number one, doing a test run and having the app downloaded. So usually it's Zoom. There's many other platforms. There's Zoom and uh, many others, as you know. But you want to have that app downloaded. You want to have that software available. And to the extent you can, you want to have a test run. I've had hearings and proceedings in Superior Court and in New Jersey where the court or the agency has actually offered the ability the week before to do a test run. I absolutely recommend it. For those that didn't do a test run in this one series of hearings that uh, I was involved in. A lot of lawyers were not ready. They were very embarrassed. They didn't look good in front of their clients. So absolutely have the software ready to go. Do a test run on your own or with the agency, the court, and this way you're good to go. Again, if it's Zoom, if it's Skype, whatever it might be, have it set up. The other pointer is have a backup. I have at my desk at home working remotely. I have my notebook computer. I have my iPad. I have my phone. There are times where a device goes down or it doesn't work. Zoom is not perfect. It's doing the job for us, but there are times when certain devices are just not working. So I will typically have my notebook computer around, my iPad and my phone, and I always have something there that's going to work for me. So that I think is really critical for you to do. Number two, get your meeting ID and passcode in advance. Some of the court reporting services, you might have to ask them. Some of the courts, make sure you have the ID and the password. Sometimes the links will not work. Sometimes they'll send you a logon that will require other information and other sign-on information. But for example, just to keep it simple for Zoom, there's a meeting ID, there's a passcode. If you plug those in, you should be able to connect. So make sure you have it. Get as much information in advance as you can get from the court reporter, the judge's law clerk, the agency, because you don't want to have a situation where the court's waiting for you. We've all been there back in the days of live trials where the judge is waiting on the bench for you, or I have seen on some telephone arguments, and I personally had the situation recently with an appellate argument. They gave me the wrong number. I finally called the right number, and while I was only one minute late, the judges and the attorneys were waiting for me. So you don't want that to happen. Make sure you've got all that information and you've got the devices. 
Number three, know how your documents are going to be shared. Are you going to do a screen share through Zoom? Is it a court reporter that's going to provide that service or a concierge to do it? Know in advance and have it set up. You can't wait till you get on the hearing at nine o'clock tomorrow morning and say, here, I've got the stack of documents. Let's get them uploaded. It's too late. And in the hearings I've been involved in, judges will not wait. If you don't have it ready, they're not going to consider it, and on they go. So we've had with certain court reporting companies, we'll send them the documents in advance, we'll mark them, they'll organize them. Or if you're going to do it yourself, I did a, an event recently, a meeting. It was an election meeting for a nonprofit entity. Uh, it wasn't a litigation, but I uploaded. I have everything uploaded so that when I had a screen share, an agenda, and some financials, I had them there ready to go. So again, don't wait. Have it ready. Don't be embarrassed. And you know, if you're in court and you're on trial and you don't have those documents, that may cause you to lose your case if you're not ready. So have it set up, be prepared. Number four, what if your power or internet goes out? Well, be ready for that. If it's, tro if it's a tropical storm that's expected, be ready because that may be a problem. Maybe you need to go to another location. Maybe you need to do it from your car. At the beginning of this crazy pandemic, I did a number of oral arguments from the car with the air conditioning on. It worked. It wasn't a problem. I had audio and video. So be prepared. You want to make sure you have power and you also need internet. In this multi-day binding arbitration I'm involved in where we've done 16 days already, Tropical storm knocked out the power. We got the power back. And then all of a sudden on Friday, 3.30, I'm ready to cross-examine the plaintiff and the internet goes down. So I've got no video. I've got audio. No way you can cross-examine a witness with documents that way. Luckily, the judge adjourned early. We resumed on Monday. I had a new router in place. I had Verizon here to make sure it was working, but I went out and bought a jetpack. If you don't have a hotspot on your phone, you could buy a jetpack, which is an individual independent internet system. That's what we did. We had it in place, and it was a fail-safe. This was a trial that had to go on. Multiple attorneys, witnesses, judge, people from all over the country, no one was waiting. The other thing is, Make sure that you have contact information when you're doing these Zoom proceedings and trials and things. Have an email, but better, have a cell phone number for someone else involved because crazy stuff happens. All of a sudden, you get logged out. You're no longer on Zoom. You're locked out, and the proceeding is going on. People may not know that, in fact, you've been locked out. So in my multi-day proceeding, I have a co-counsel. He's in Colorado. He's got my cell phone. I have his. He gets locked out. He gets thrown off a Zoom. I get thrown off. We send texts back and forth to each other. He'll say, should I hold it up? Should I tell the judge to wait? Or, you know, do you want me to just keep going on this line of questioning? Make sure you have that available to you where you've got some email, phone number. Maybe it's the judge's law clerk's number, but make sure you have that because if the power goes out, the internet goes out, you don't want to have the short end of the stick where you missed an important part of the record, important testimony, and now you don't have it. So really, really critical. Number five, 
steps for avoiding coaching. My adversaries, uh, some of my adversaries don't trust me. I don't know why. That's not my reputation. But everybody's now concerned with this newfangled system of remote trials that there's going to be some special type of coaching going on. Well, get stipulations in place or better yet, have a consent order in place. In our arbitration, we have a consent order whereby it provides that each of the witnesses shall have reliable access to a computer a webcam or monitor to allow for attending the arbitration and to allow for examination to protect the integrity of the process. Every party, every witness, every lawyer has to have a separate screen. This way, there's it really takes away the ability of coaching. We were continuing last week in the arbitration, and I'll mention in a moment the issues with Zoom, but because you can't have two Zoom people in the same room because of feedback, I was in one conference room. He was in another. Obviously, pretty hard to cheat that way or to coach a witness when you're both in separate rooms. So there are ways to address that. There are things we can do. You could have consent orders, stipulation, trial orders, a bunch of things that are available to you. Dress, your apparel, your dress, your Zoom suit, background. I find, uh, first on background, I think it's effective. I like it. I use a firm logo in the background. You could use a blank background, if you will. You don't want goofy, silly stuff, obviously. But I find with our very staid, serious blue background from our website, it's got the firm name. It looks very serious. And I think people take you seriously when you're speaking from in front of it. If you're in the playroom in the basement with the kids' toys in the background, people may not be taking you as seriously, and it really may infect the integrity of the proceedings. Uh, Some judges may comment on that. I'd like to have the firm logo in the back or something blank and nothing goofy or silly. Sometimes I see people, you know, in dining rooms and kitchens and living rooms. I mean, that's fine, but be cognizant of what's back behind you. In terms of your Zoom suit, you know, I'm finding in pretty much all the proceedings, I've got to wear a shirt and a tie. I don't think anybody's really insisting upon or expecting a blazer. You could ask in advance. You could ask the law clerk uh, if shirt and tie is okay or for, you know, a female attorney, a nice blouse. I don't know that a jacket's always required, but if you have a question or an issue, ask. Most of the proceedings I'm having, both the judges and the lawyers are wearing shirts and ties, nice blouses. People are generally not wearing blazers, so probably not necessary. And also be careful. I mean, many of us, I was on the phone with a female attorney from St. Louis yesterday that I'm doing an expert report for, and we were joking about Zoom wear. And she said, you know, I wear a nice top, but then I wear my, you know, my Lululemon workout pants, my jogging pants that are comfortable. Me, myself, you know, I'm comfortable in a pair of shorts, whether they're a nice pair of khaki shorts or a a pair of workout shorts. I'm very comfortable. But be cognizant when you get up what's visible. I sort of got a dig by a friendly adversary a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, nice shorts. So make sure if you're getting up, turn off the video. You know, if you're going to get up, shut off the video. You can also shut off the audio if you're not in the middle of the proceeding. But be cognizant of that. Obviously, you know, we're supposed to, as lawyers, do things in a dignified, professional way, and we don't want to be accused otherwise. There was that situation, a couple of situations, oh God, back in March uh, down in Florida where a judge admonished an attorney because she was arguing uh, from under the blanket and sheets in bed 
basically had her papers, you know, in bed and she was arguing. This judge did not take well to it, didn't appreciate it. And then another, I guess, Florida situation, and not to denigrate Florida, I have lots of friends and family there, but we had a gentleman who I think was on a Zoom proceeding with the judge and either, I believe he had no shirt on and, you know, so it was just the hairy chest. Did not go well with the judge, not well taken. You know, we as lawyers, most of us have common sense, though it's not common, but use common sense. You know, professional attire, we're there to, you know, persuade, to advocate, and we're there to win and prevail for our clients. Don't do something that's going to hurt your client's case. That's dress and background. Computers, phones, iPads, we've talked a lot about that. Again, you can't have two devices at the same time in the same room, you're going to get this feedback, this audio feedback, and it's going to be a disaster. So even if you yourself have multiple devices, your fail-safe second device, don't have them both on at the same time because it'll be a disaster. And you will get more features on your notebook computer, your desktop versus your iPad versus your phone. So a lot of the different features and choices you can make, you're going to have the most on the notebook or the desktop, and it's, you're going to have less and less as you get down to your smartphone. And then a lot of lawyers are investing in technology. Do I have headphones? Do I have a headset with a microphone? Do I have a desk microphone? Do I have a better or special camera? I can tell you that uh, I've been doing these hearings and proceedings since March successfully, and I haven't had any special equipment, and it's all worked quite well. But there's lots of equipment available as we speak right now, and I record this podcast with you. I'm wearing earplugs. I have a special desktop microphone and will probably give you crisper, clearer communications. But the courts basically are not fussy, and you probably don't need a lot of fancy equipment. Make sure the positioning of your camera is accurate. Today, I had a Zoom online mediation with a retired judge, my client, another attorney, and her client. And the judge wasn't critical, and I think we were in a caucus, just me, the judge, and my client. But we didn't see my client's pretty face. We saw her white ceiling in her office. Wasn't persuasive, uh, wasn't bothering the judge at all. But my client is very persuasive and she's really passionate. And it was very effective today. But you can't communicate the same when you're just projecting the ceiling. So got to be careful. And, And I think, you know, we've seen it in other settings. Make sure the cameras are facing you. They're not facing somebody else. So that's really important. A few other things before we conclude. Pets and kids. We love our pets. We love our kids. Be careful when you're doing proceedings with the pets and the kids. We're seeing it. It's funny, but judges may not find it funny. They may find it distracting. They may find it annoying. So, you know, try to keep the pets out. I know we can't always keep the kids out. And I know many of us and many of you are home, homeschooling with kids do your best, try hard, and maybe you give a heads up to the court or the mediator or the retired judge or whoever it is saying, I am homeschooling or the dog is not feeling well today, you know, but bear with me and all that kind of stuff. If you give a heads up, it's like a judge said to me years ago, 
you know, Scott, I don't mind if you show up a couple minutes late for the continuing trial. I know to get from where you are in Northwest Bergen County to Jersey City in the morning is a royal pain and there's lots of traffic. Give me a heads up. You guys have cell phones. Call ahead. Say I'm stuck in traffic. I think I'm going to be 20 minutes late. This way the judge can do some other work. So, you know, if you give the court and others a heads up, they'll work with you. We're all going through very challenging times. Everybody gets it. Everybody understands it. Nobody's going to give you a hard time, but give everybody a heads up. They'll work with you. Finally, interesting, interesting tidbit. If you have the Amazon Alexa at home or you have the Google Assistant or similar device, what I have learned is if it's in the room, they hear everything that you're saying. They hear everything that the judge and everybody else is saying, and they record it, believe it or not. Though the problem is if you're in the heat of cross-examination and you say the woman's name and her name is Alexis or Alexa, the device is going to start participating. So I don't think you want that. But really, and all kidding aside, in terms of our ethical responsibility, we're doing so say we're you know you're in a zoom proceeding that's a confidential proceeding like a mediation if you're allowing alexa and you're allowing amazon to then listen and record that that's going to violate confidentiality it's going to violate privacy it's being recorded somewhere and it's really a violation of the rules of professional conduct where if you're supposed to be keeping things confidential it may violate attorney-client privilege so be cognizant don't have those devices in the room. If you do, make sure they're shut off. The other really interesting tidbit is that these devices, the Alexa devices, the Google devices, they suck bandwidth when it comes to your home internet. So you may have more than one person at home sucking the bandwidth. Many of us are working home with, you know, with spouses and siblings and everybody's on Zoom at the same time. But if you don't need Alexa and you don't need the assistant, shut them down because they're tapping and they're sucking bandwidth. They may weaken your signal. They may throw you off a of Zoom. So be cognizant of that. Other than that, I think those are really the high points, if you will, of really critical items to consider when you're doing trials and hearings and events remotely. And I hope you're all well and safe, and I wish you the best of luck, and I look forward to talking to you again soon on another interesting topic. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Privileged Communications, a legal podcast from Phillips Neiser LLP. Hosted by civil trial attorney and Phillips Neiser partner, Scott Pekarski. If you enjoyed this show, subscribe wherever you find podcasts and share the show with a colleague who would benefit as well. For more info about Scott or the firm, visit us online at philipsneiser.com.